All right, everybody. It is Wednesday night, August 10th, 2022. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, the man with the award-winning beard. Yes, award-winning beard. I am your host, DJ. I'm going to go around the room here and introduce my co-hosts. First up from the Rob the Genius podcast, the Minister of Truth, one half of the tag team, the Get Off My Lawn tag team, Mr. <laughs> Rob Bonnet. Hey, good to, see, good to be back. And I guess, so, are you Nick Bogle or are you Ray Stevens? I, I don't know. I, I kind of think, I, I kind of look at us more like, you're, you're the Statler to my Waldorf. <laughs> you know? And... Thanks. Last but certainly not least, a man who is bound and determined to go through a barbershop window, Bucky's tag team partner, Jason. Jason, how are you tonight, sir? And I will hold hands with Montez Ford all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> that dog's gunning for you, Bubba. I know he is. I, just, I feel it in my bones. Yeah. Yep, he is. Ah, so we're going to kind of fly by the seat of our pants here. We have a little bit of a we had a pre-show huddle. We talked about a few things, but. This show is going to be pretty much uh, without a net or just whatever happens, happens. The only thing I really wanted to start off talking about, and we're going to swerve into fellow Chairshot Network uh, podcast, the uh, the bandwagon nerds. We're going to swerve into their lane a little bit here because I want to talk about la- this past Monday was the 36th anniversary. And my God, it sounds insane even saying that. 36th anniversary of the release of the Transformers animated movie. Not to be confused with the movies that Michael Bay put out about 15, 20 years ago, but uh, the animated movie, which to this day, in my opinion, stands the test of time. And and I know both of you have seen it, right? Oh, oh I have the DVD. I have like the, the uh, 20th anniversary DVD. I saw it in the theater opening weekend. I've watched it many times. Yes. Okay. Jason, I think you may have been a little young on its initial release. If you you were born in what year, Bubba? Yeah, well, I was born in 1985, so I missed it, obviously, the initial run. But it was already in syndication on Saturday mornings and on, like, afternoons after school. So I got the full – and my brother had all the toys. So yeah. I got the full Transformers exposure, and I did see the movie. And, I mean, honestly, uh, the touch has been my ringtone before. So <laughs> – <laughs> it was mine for a while too. That just that whole soundtrack was amazing. I actually have the soundtrack on CD somewhere. And like Rob, oh. I have the 20th anniversary DVD set. Um, I just when I think back to that time, it was in a weird transition period for me because the uh, I think the original series ran from 84 to 87, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and the movie like kind of fell in between there. So I was about going on 13, I think, when the movie was released. And, you know, I think back when I looked at the TV shows, like, okay, this is cool, but I'm starting to maybe just be on the, the cusp of being a little too old for what their target audience was. And I wanted something a little more edgy, a little bit, a little bit different. And with the movie, it absolutely blew me away because it gave me what I wanted out of the, you know, the, the weekday afternoon cartoon. Uh, we had, you know, on-screen and off-screen deaths that, you know, included the begin movie starting with, you know, Unicron just devouring an entire planet and slaughtering probably millions of robots. Yeah. And then, you know, we went into, you know, a, a shuttle full of Autobots just being completely, you know, slaughtered, and which included a, a, a point-blank range execution of Ironhide. Right. Um, <laughs> which is just, well, I remember watching that and it was like, 
holy shit, he just blew Ironhide away at point blank range. And Ironhide was one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Um, so it just watching that as a kid, it was there was nothing like it. Like if you didn't watch like actual anime, you didn't get anything like that from like the American style animation. So it was it was impressive to see and just uh, just wild, like wild. And then like we were talking about earlier, the soundtrack to that movie, the whole combination of things just had and it was better than it had any right to be in that day and age. That soundtrack is like I think Top Gun is the quintessential 1980s soundtrack. But if you were to argue with me about Transformers, I probably wouldn't fight you that hard. That's one of those really just solid. It is 1980s, just you know, I, yeah. culture. I don't know. I, I don't know how to put it, but yeah, solid soundtrack. <laughs> Rob, what were your thoughts Man. initially when you saw the movie? Okay, well, because I, you know, I was deep into the cartoon and all that stuff too, and like you, I was getting to that point where I, yeah, where I wasn't qu- quite. You know, well, I'm too old for this, but getting there. So, like you, I wanted a little bit something extra, and you know, I figured, okay, well, it's a movie, so they can do a little more. And boy, did they do more! I mean, honestly, it was like, yeah, like you said, it, it opened up with just people just getting killed, and you know, just left and right out. And then, you know, if you watch the 20th anniversary DVD, if you watch some of the commentary. You find out that basically they just wanted to clear out old toys for the new line. And so they were given the green light to kill as many people as they wanted to in the movie. Talk about <laughs> it was not, a total reading, not reading the room. And, and one of the amazing <laughs> things that they talk about on that DVD <laughs> was the hate mail that they got for killing off Optimus Prime. And I don't think they realized what a cultural phenomenon Optimus Prime and what a hero yeah that character was and that that's like kind of a uh, creative storm there because now looking back you can't imagine anybody other than peter cullen bringing life to optimus prime yes he gave the character such a gravitas and there have been so many different iterations of optimus prime and different people doing the voices and just none of it is the same the closest anybody has come i don't know if you guys have seen the the latest netflix Transformers. It was like a three or four part mini series. It started yeah. with um, yeah. yeah, I have watched for that. Cybertron, Earthrise. Uh, yeah. It ended with uh, I think the Beast, kind of like the Beast Wars type yeah. thing. <clears throat> that guy was okay, but it still wasn't Peter Cullen. He just didn't have that same gravitas. And I, I really, like I said, they didn't read the room. I don't think they expected the kind of backlash they got. Like there was one fan letter where like some kid locked himself in his room for like a month or something like that and wouldn't come out. I mean, basically, they, they they killed the territory, so to speak, to use a wrestling term. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was yeah, it was. It was I well, mean, oof. well, it's funny because they killed the territory because they Megatron became Galvatron, you know, Optimus Prime was replaced by Rodimus, yeah. and like they they just literally wiped everyone out. But at the same time, looking back, the toys were where the bread was buttered. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, from a, from a marketing standpoint, you get that, yeah. but just somewhere, somebody just wasn't paying attention to the, to the bigger picture to the point where they actually created a two part episode 
in that one season to bring back Optimus Prime. Yeah. Well, it's like when they killed Duke in the uh, G.I. Joe movie. Yeah, you know, it, it, when yeah. they first aired it, 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 you know, they, they, um, no, I mean in the, the animated G.I. Joe movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, he okay. dies at the end, and then they, like, at, because of test screenings or maybe the first initial run, it didn't have this, and everyone freaked out because Duke, the main, pretty much the main character, died so much so that all subsequent versions, he was totally, he was, uh, all subsequent versions have a, like a radio thing as it cuts to black. It's okay, he's breathing. Yeah. And then they just brought him back in the show. It's one of the most funny things that they look at in the in uh, retrospect. This may be the Mandela effect because as I remember G.I. Joe the movie, I never thought Duke died. They made it very clear like midway through the movie that he was in a coma. Yep, yep, you got mandela my friend. Okay. Yes. I mean, I'm sorry. You might have just seen the all the subsequent versions because okay. it's just the first initial live airing that it that they had the you know Duke died and that's it, right? All the other ones they okay. added in to make sure that no no he's just in a coma yeah. he's gonna make it. See, I I didn't know all that. I thought that they had originally the version I read was that they had originally planned on killing off Duke, but the backlash to what happened with Transformers. They they backtracked on that and said no we'll just we'll figure something we'll find another workaround so may, like I said if there's anybody listening that knows for sure the definitive story whether Jason's right I'm right or we're somewhere in the middle let us know probably somewhere in the middle but yeah like, but um yeah like because they thought they were just you know moving toys out for the new line and they had no idea that people actually had developed a relationship with these characters <laughs> and, um, pretty funny. Yeah. It's one of those things where the voices really made it. Like you think of the iconic voice of Starscream and I, for the life yeah. of me, I don't know whether that, I don't, did Frank Welker do that voice as well? I know he did Megatron and again, did. absolutely iconic. Right. But I, I don't have the name, I don't have the uh, the names pulled up in front of me for the, uh, for the voiceover. So I don't know who did Starscream, but just, it was just this perfect creative storm that made these characters so iconic. Oh, yeah. It's just it, one of those. And it's also, you know, they clearly <laughs> stand the test of time because, you know, what, almost two decades later, Michael Bay was like, sure, I can make, you know, six movies about this and make a billion dollars. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, I just thought we'd spend a couple minutes talking about that just because the, the anniversary that was up, I got into some discussions about it on Twitter. We don't venture too far off the wrestling path. And every now and then I like to take a little side road. And, you know, that's something that I want to talk about with you guys. And just, like I said, I'm, I'm still, it still blows my mind that that was 36 years ago. It is. Yeah. I mean, wow. Like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> what I was, the hell? Yeah. I was 12 years old, man. It, yeah. I was 12. I'll be third. I would have been 13 about a month later. Well, all right. So let's stop talking transformers. Let's let the bandwagon nerds keep all that stuff. Uh, we're going to venture back here into our own lane and talk some wrestling and, um, and where do we want to start tonight? Um, do we want to start? Let's start with the Tony Khan stuff, Rob. Oh yeah. That, all right. So our, is our, our favorite wrestling promoter. When Mr. Anthony, <laughs> when Mr. Anthony Khan, I'm calling by his full government name now. <laughs> um, Con with a C O N. Yeah. Um, so um, he did the interview with somebody and he has some quotes. And one of them was really, we, we, we found really enjoyable. And that was that 
let me see, give me see. All right, let me scroll up here and find it. It was about the subject of getting everybody on the television because, as we know, that has been a sore spot in the World Wrestling Federation for a long time. That they have these people who are stuck in catering, and they sign all of these people, and they don't use them all, and it's a travesty, and you know, and thank God for AEW because some of these people who were stuck in catering can finally go somewhere where they will be used properly. Well, Mr. Anthony Khan doing an interview with a superstar crossover, and he says, I can't get everybody on the show. It's challenging in some ways when you have three hours of television. All right, so we're going to start with that because there's another there's another quote that's really you know that's just great. But we'll, let's start with that. So he's got poor Tony's got three hours of television, and he has now somebody in the replies actually stopped and counted, went to the you know, the AEW website and counted the names that are on the roster. They have 128 people, wrestlers. Why in the hell, other than so WWE doesn't get them? Why in the hell would you sign those that many people with no real place to put them? You know, we can make the same argument to WWE, and we have. Yes. I'll be fair. On this show, we have talked about that. We agree that even though we WWE got rid of some people that we were really emotionally connected to, we got it because the roster was bloated. Like, there were people yep. sitting around with nothing to do that wanted to work, and there was no work for them. So WWE released them, or they asked for their release. We supported it. We didn't like it. But we supported it. Why in the hell, as in in AEW, would Tony Khan hire all these people with no clear placement for them? And now, mind you, some of these folks, okay. Now, because you know my little project where I'm keeping track of all the women's wrestling matches, I looked at like they're like half the women that have wrestled on Dynamite this year have only wrestled one match on Dynamite. Half of their twenty-seven women. Well, the, the women who, yeah, well, the, the women who have wrestled on Dynamite, half of those oh, okay. women, half of those women have only been on there once. Wow. Yeah, so it's like a whole bunch of one-offs. Um, and they, and then there's, you know, there's Sunny Kiss, who we've talked about before, who has not been on Dynamite in well over a year. And you know, we bring up Sunny Kiss a lot because why? Because they were very loud in all caps to let everybody know <laughs> we signed Sunny Kiss, everybody. Give us all the cool points. And they, they accepted all the cool points that they got for signing Sunny Kiss. And we've even said here that Vince McMahon probably would have never signed Sunny Kiss. So they should deserve some credit for doing it. But he had, but I'm sorry, Sunny goes by she. I'm sorry. Sunny has not been on television for well over a year. Okay. And Sonny has been very kind of vocal about that lately. Right. You know, so Sonny is definitely one of those people that's probably not real happy with their with their position in the company. Right. And there are other people who have just not they and like they they just don't they don't use a lot of people. Uh there are people who are and and with 128 people, now we've commented we've talked in the chat before about like if, if you play WWE 2K and you do universe mode and you're trying to book the show, you cannot if you have basically what Tony has is the equivalent of if you had like raw and then main event if you're doing universe mode. All right. And you can't book that with 120. You you can barely you 
you can't hardly book that with 50 people and get use everybody. Okay. <laughs> Rob, I'll tell you because universe mode is one of my you know guilty pleasures. Oh, I me just too. Love yeah. those kind of things. Season, oh, season. So you know, like, I'm sorry, what was the final number? 107. 128. 128. So 128 people, you could book as they call it in the game, three major shows. So Raw, NXT, SmackDown, and have house shows and pay-per-views and seven days a week. And I promise you could not use all those people in any sort of meaningful feuds. Yeah. And let alone get them all on the show. Right. Is that 128 people actually under contract or um, is that people that a, they yeah, it's a, include who they no, bring? Because I know they've got people like there's a few local folks here who have done some jobs for them. Guy like Chico Adams. Is oh, not girl, no, uh, no, girl Ellie. No. No, that's not um, counting. Not counting. No, that's that's counting the people where you got the little graphic. You know, DJ is all elite. If you're one of those folks, um, that's the 128. Not, not, okay. Not, okay. Not, not yeah. Not no, the people. It's the, who, sorry, Mark, uh, Rob. Is the 128 number reflective of? Because I know the person who got that final number took a few off because they technically do count like Mark Henry, negative one, and somebody else. So is that the final final number? Uh, well, he well, that yeah that. That was with him counting those people. So let's say, okay. all right, let's say you chop off five. It was, people. Only, it was only like six or seven people. So. Yeah. So even if even if you uh, you don't count Mark Henry because he doesn't he, he's not wrestling. Don't count Big Show. Don't count Negative One. Um, and let's just say that's, that's three people. Let's say just let's say there's two up two other people you don't count. So that's just five. Nice, you know, number. So you're still 123 people for two hours of television, three hours of television, 100 and 23 people and i'm sorry if you have 123 wrestlers for three hours of television that is your own fault yeah a hundred a hundred of those are sitting on the bench in rotate in rotation that that is your fault because look if you offer somebody the contract they're going to take it all right particularly somebody if you're particularly if you haven't if you can't even get a sniff from titan land and Tony's over here offering you a contract. Yeah, you're taking it. So you can't blame the wrestlers for taking the contract. No, hell no. Everybody should be getting paid. And what? I want wrestlers to get paid. And if they're not going to work for WWE, or if they don't want to work for WWE, you go where the money is. And if Tony's slinging it, by all means, take it. But I just, I'm, I'm questioning his sanity at this point. And and how how do you expect this company to become solvent like that? Just um, just just for clear just for clarity's sake, this gentleman counted the official page. One hundred and four men. That's counting Paul White, Mark Henry, and Brody's kids. So one hundred and one, if you take them off, twenty-seven women. So the final tally is one hundred and twenty-eight people. Oh, so that's that's not counting Mark Henry. Okay, right. One hundred and twenty-eight. Good grief. Um. 27 of them are women, by the way. Yeah. So now you've... And, so you got all these people. Now, he signed pretty much everyone. He signed all, like, the, so many of those WWE cast-offs. Um, or people who, you know, got out of WWE. He signed a bunch of people who were out there on the indies. Um, and... You know, people who were there from day one who are still there. And he's just, and he doesn't, now he lets these, of course, he lets people's contracts run out. Um, can you guys hear me? 
Are you can hear me? Yeah, yeah I hear we, you, Rob. We, okay, we, I, yeah, I was I, muted, buddy. Oh, okay, I, okay, I couldn't hear you. I couldn't hear you guys. I was like, "What's going on here?" But, <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, you got all these people you're not using, and then here's 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 a real kicker though. In addition to that, he brings in people who are not signed for big matches, like that whole Mance Warner from a few days ago, you know, or. Where people were telling us you should just go Google Mance Warner. Mance Warner is not signed there. Man, now I've seen Mance Warner in MLW, and he does like a lot of game changer wrestling stuff and indie stuff. Mance Warner is good, um, but you don't need to bring Mance Warner in to fight Moxley if you already got 128 people there. You don't need to bring him in for that. Um, you don't need to bring in you know with the whole Forbidden Door thing. Like, what the hell would you need to do that for? You got people you can't even put on TV, and you're bringing in all these folks from New Japan for like a whole month. Yeah, right? that, that, that didn't pay. That didn't pay off for him, did it? It well, wasn't I mean, a one-off. It was like the repeated, repeated, repeated just matches and matches and different people. And this guy was having a three-week tour, and this guy was having a two-week tour. Those like, I totally understand if it was like, hey, one night Suzuki showed up and he fights Moxley. All right, cool. That's wild and crazy, and that's something I expect out of AEW. But to just continually do that is like, well, you're, again, one of our favorite questions on this podcast, who sits? Right. And they, and they and end up. The answer is a con- contracted employee. Yeah. And they spend like a whole month doing that. You know, bringing those folks in to set things up for forbidden door. And a whole bunch of their people basically had to sit down. Like people who were in storylines, basically the storyline got put on pause for a month. And. You know, to make room for that. And um, to me, it's almost like when like these college football teams, they sign like 100 kids. And a bunch of them, like the coach knows that you're not going to play the whole time you're there. But he just wants bodies. Um, and look, Vince was very guilty of that during his time in charge of WWE. And, we talked about it on this show. Yeah. I mean, they had 300 people at one point, which was like 200 too many. Um, and now, which but, is, is going to open up an interesting discussion a little bit later um, where, where the E is concerned. But go ahead, Rob. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, no problem. So we got now we got the same thing going on here. And the whole one of the whole points of the AEW was that people will get used, you know, properly or and that you won't have people stuck in catering. And now, but here it is, you do. But now, now of course, the kind of excuse that was given was, well, they get to work on the YouTube show, you know, dark and dark elevation. And, and but now here it is, Tony's even saying, he said, I have three hours of television. So he's even admitting that the TV is what's important. Yeah, dark, everyone on dark is less than. Yeah, if you're on dark, but you don't get on dynamite, then you are less than, absolutely. Um. It's like the people who work the dark matches before SmackDown. That's not even that's not even main event. It's just the dark match before SmackDown, right? Um, right. You are less than if that's all you're getting, right? Um, if all you're getting is dark or dark elevation, then you are less than, um, and that's all there is to it. And he's basically admitting it here now. Mm-hmm. I guess just I the thing that irritates the me the most, and and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, is the goalpost moving for Tony. Like, if we're going to hold WWE over the fire for this kind of stuff, this, again, this needs to be across the board. And it's not with Tony. 
And that's so irritating just to, to, to interact with people who make excuses, move the goalposts. And we ran into this today. Jason actually got into a incredible thread. And Jason has asked me not to address this tonight. But I stayed quiet on the timeline. One, because I was at work and I just don't like dealing with that shit at work. And two, <laughs> I, I didn't feel like dealing with it. But I will address it here. This guy jumped in. Uh, our boss, Greg DeMarco, when the article came out, he quote tweeted it and said a few things. And basically, Tony was like, Yo, well, my competition has seven hours of TV, blah, 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 blah. And basically, Greg suffixed the whole thing with what competition are you referring to? And, you know, I replied, I was like, oh, that's cute. He thinks he's still in direct competition with WWE. You know, he's so cute. You just want to pat him on the head. And some guy jumped in. I don't even know who it was. Jason went back and forth. Wanted to, Jason wants to talk about it. I'll let him. But the guy was oh, basically he just, trying. Go ahead, Jason. I'm sorry. Yeah, he just he just made all the these usual excuses that Tony. Oh, Tony ran a uh, ran NXT off Wednesday nights. They had to do this. They had to, sh- you know. WWE started hoarding talent and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, it's just all the usual reasons that they give it just that they're not painting the full picture. Well, the big thing that he went out there on was, well, apparently we're delusional because we can't see how AEW was competition because WWE put NXT on Wednesday night to specifically go head-to-head with AEW. I'm like, okay, okay. When NXT came off the network and went to <clears throat> what went on to what was it USA right Yeah I don't have cable so I don't yeah, know it's, it's USA it, uh, that was on it was USA um, on Wednesday nights USA on Wednesday nights when it first aired uh, I think it was September 18th of 2019 we got 18 months of head to head quote unquote competition now I have no idea how the TV deals work I know it coincided with SmackDown's move to Fox on Friday nights. This was probably what they were offered. For all I know, this time slot was what they were offered. And it just happened to coincide with being on Wednesday night with AEW. Or they very well could have said, hey, let's have some fun here. Let's see what happens. Let's throw NXT on Wednesday night and see if we can drum up some, you know, drum up some some controversy, which on the internet at least is what happened. But as far as direct head-to-head competition with WWE. Now, these same people will tell you <laughs> there is a difference between WWE and NXT. Let's take it into perspective. You guys, AEW is supposedly in direct competition with AE, or with WWE. Vince and Hunter took their C-level developmental show and put it head-to-head with Tony Khan's flagship show. Okay? And for... <laughs> Only show. His only show at the time. Yeah. And right. they were just barely beating NXT some nights. Now, there were nights when they beat them by a, a really wide margin, if we're using the, the ratings as a, as a barometer. There yeah. were nights where they definitely, you know, I don't think uh, more than once that NXT ever topped 700,000 total viewers. There may have been a couple times where they peaked above that, but they seemed to settle in between the six and 700,000 whereas AEW seemed to peak around the 900,000 with occasionally going over a million. The real tale comes in when NXT makes the move to Tuesday night in April of 2021 because AEW did not continue to grow. Now, if there were competition and there were people that were choosing to watch NXT versus AEW on Wednesday nights, then those people who were watching NXT on Wednesday, when it moved to Tuesday, they would have switched over to 
watch the AEW show on Wednesday night, and that did not happen. As a matter of fact, there are trends that show you that AEW started to lose viewers after that. In fact, I have that here. I, I have yeah. a spreadsheet. Rob, Rob is the deacon of data, and he has that data here. That trend is there. It's in the numbers, pals. It's not something we made up. It's not something we're conjecturing. It actually happened. They actually, once the interest in a brand war was over, AEW bit the dust as far as the ratings were concerned. And one would think that with 600,000 people watching NXT on a regular basis, if half of those people wanted to watch AEW, they would have, and they didn't. They right. didn't. And AEW or NXT moving to Tuesday nights didn't gain or lose any viewers either. I think they're still hovering in the six to 700 you know, yeah. thousand viewer range. So yeah. this idea yeah. that AEW was in direct competition with WWE is a fallacy. It's absolutely delusional to think that they were in competition. And Eric Bischoff breaks down because every the single reason why they're not, because he never went head to head. Tony Khan's flagship show never even got close to WWE's lowest rated of its big two shows. Because for a while, Raw was in the cellar with, what, 1.3, 1.4 million for a little while? For a couple of weeks. But for it, a couple of weeks, AEW, I think the closest they came was, what, 1.1, and that was right after Punk? Okay, here we go. I, got in, I have it in front of me. Oh, right. Rob's got it pulled up. All right, so, all right. Um, all right, AEW's biggest number, like, since their debut, all right, uh, was the show last year after All Out when, because at All Out, they that's when... You know, Brian Danielson showed up and Adam Cole showed up. The show after that did 1.3 million. And that's okay. because you, you had these two huge debuts and then a couple of weeks From the later, WWE. Yes. And then I a mean, couple. Yeah. And then a, a couple of weeks, two weeks later was the Grand Slam show at the, you know, at the Arthur Ashe Stadium. That's where you had uh, Kenny Omega versus Daniel Bryan. And I'm sorry, Brian Danielson. I'm sorry. <laughs> Semantics, pal. And so that did 1.27 million. So that did almost 1.3. That is the peak. All right. And now, since they moved to TBS, because like after the the rest, you know, the end of last year, they got moved around and they, you know, and whatnot. So it's hard to really count that fairly. But they moved the TBS at the beginning of this year. Since they've been on TBS, they have had out of the 31 weeks, they have been under a million viewers for 24 out of 31 weeks. And they average 956,000, which is not much better than they were. Well, it's not, it's not better at all than they were doing before. Um, they, cause in last year they, <laughs> they were, they were popping above a million, you know, uh, pretty regularly last year, but this year it has not been like that. And and also like the, the average change from week to week for their viewership is about two thousand people. Now from, I was told that week the move to, to TBS was going to open up a bigger market for them. Am I wrong on that? Um, well, it's they're about to. I think TBS TBS has more is in more homes because TBS is older. TBS has been around longer than TNT. So they're in more homes. So technically, yes. And then also, um, but no NXT going away, like you said, did not, they did not get a big boost, really. Um, or at least they didn't, they didn't get 600,000 new viewers. Now they did get a little bit, of, they got a little bit because 
yeah, some people who were flipping channels or whatever now weren't flipping anymore. So they were just being basically they were just their whole time was being counted for watching Dynamite now instead of it being kind of sporadic. Right. Um, So they did get a little boost there. That's pretty much gone away uh, since. And so they're in the 900s pretty much every week. That's what it is. If they occasionally, when they have one of those like super special episodes, they go back over a million. Um, doesn't happen very often anymore, but basically, they you get nine hundred and fifty thousand people every week, you know, give or take, and that's what it is, and that's where they've been all year, and that's kind of what it is. That's that's what it is basically. Like I said, the Which, difference difference from week to week is two thousand people. Well, let's let's be fair. That's a respectable number. Oh, no, that's fine. I, that, I think that's a perfectly fine number, but let's not sit here and treat it like it's something that it's not. Right. And, well, the, the big, the biggest thing is that it's not moving. The number, that, and, itself, the number yeah. itself isn't the issue. The number itself is fine. But the biggest the thing is that it's, it's not moving. And because even like with, with Raw on Monday nights, you get spikes. Like, you know, a couple after SummerSlam, they, they had an hour. It was like a 2.4 million. Like, and... They get they go up to two million sometimes, sometimes, and they they usually stay around one point eight, but they do go up to two sometimes. Um, there is, you know, there. I mean, in SmackDown, same thing. Uh, but they, you don't even get that type of you don't get even get that kind of movement on with Dynamite. It's pretty much in that nine hundred range every week. And again, the nine hundred is fine. Uh, Turner is not going to find another show that you can put in that time slot. It's going to get 900,000 people. It, it doesn't exist. So that is fine. Uh, it's just that if you're talking about competition, if you're talking about revolution, if you're talking about changing this and changing that in the industry, the fact that they have been at that same number now for eight months and don't show any signs of going any higher, um, that says they're not competition. That says that they exist. They have, you know, it's like Target at Walmart. Okay. Walmart is like way ahead of Target. Target really is not Walmart's competition. Target is an alternative for people like me who like to who like to thumb our nose at Walmart. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's what Target is. Okay. Um, see, see, I'm a channel yeah, flipper between Walmart and Target. I'm the channel yeah. flipping guy. Yeah, but Target ain't going out of business anytime soon. Right. And that's, and that's the thing. Target's not going out of business, but they're not really competition for Walmart. You know, it's just you know it's like that that meme with uh was it from with uh Regal and I think and Hunter from when they were in WCW like thumbing their, you know sticking their nose out it's like this is people from you know people who normally shop at Target when they go to Walmart that's what Target is okay Target is for people like me who like to feel better about ourselves than shopping at Walmart okay but and that's exactly it I mean you watch Dynamite to feel better that better about yourself because you're still watching wrestling believe it or not right. um. You know, the, at least I'm not watching, you know, the, that, you know, the right. McMahon show. Right. It's the so, same thing. There you go. And that's what it is. I, mean, I would feel so much more compelled to consume more AEW product than I do if Tony Khan would either just shut up or go away. Like, I am so sick of his pleading for the WWE to acknowledge him. It just, it turns me off from anything. And there may be some good stuff going on there. Like, by all accounts, there are some people doing good work in AEW. There are a lot of people sitting on the bench, as we just discussed here tonight, that are could probably do good work. 
But I get it. I get the formula. They want to put the people on TV that they know are going to draw. And they're already not <clears> – <throat> they're stagnating. With, with the talent that they have and the talent that they have on TV on a regular basis. And putting fresh talent on TV is a risk. We've talked about that on this show before. It's very risky to take somebody who the audience is not familiar with and go out there and give them more than two to five minutes on TV to give them a promo segment, to give them a backstage segment. It's a risk because you spend a lot of money per minute <laughs> per show. And if you go out and spend – a million dollars for somebody that the audience does not know to go out and have a eight to 10 minute match or an eight to 10 minute segment or five to seven minute pro promo. And you're, and you're doing all this stuff. Are you going to get the return on the investment? So I get it. And, and Tony is still trying to build that brand. So he's trying to put as many name value people in front of the camera and in front of the crowds as they can, but it was too much too soon. And I, I really think he, I honestly think he thought running a televised national wrestling program was going to be easier than it ended up being. I agree. And um, <clears throat> because look, they, I mean, they just recently hired some new, some more people for like the talent relations, I guess you, yeah, more or less. Cause there've been stories coming out about him not being, you know, communicating well with people. And we've heard the stories about how basically if, if your contract is almost up and he's done with you, he ghosts you. Mm-hmm. Uh, a shitty way to do business, buddy. Right. I mean, and and I'm sure and, Vince was no better. But well, yeah, and, but here's the difference, though, right? Here's the and uh, yes, I'm going to defend Vincent Kennedy McMahon here, unfortunately. But oh, wow. if you got released from WWE, you got paid for three months, and you could still go look for work during those three months. Okay. Tony Khan ghosts you for the last three months of your AEW contract. <laughs> you can't go look. You can't sign with anybody else. You can't go look for work. You can't work anywhere else. Can't you? Can't make any. You can't talk. You can't talk to anybody else. More importantly, all right. When you've been released from WWE and you're doing your no compete, that just means you can't work. You can talk to people. You can make a deal. If you're in your last three months with AEW, and Tony's ghosting you. And you kind of figure, well, this probably means I'm not going to get renewed. But you can't talk to anybody either. No, you right? just sit there in limbo until your contract expires. Right. And now for the people saying, well, but yeah, but you know, but WWE lets people go before their contract is up. That's in the contract you signed. Yeah. And no different than NFL players, right? Um, NFL players don't have guaranteed contracts. They can cut you whenever they want to. All right, it's the same thing, and and it's it sucks just as bad. But I bet a lot of you folks who were oh so upset about you know people getting released from WWE, you know NFL cuts people midseason. Uh, how mad are you about that? Not at all. I bet they probably they're probably go. Oh, I guess well, I wonder where they're going to land next, and then they keep watching their favorite yeah. sports team. Or it's usually oh well that got bingo. That's it. That, that guy sucks anyway. Don't worry. Or, yeah, it's either that guy sucks anyway or, oh, don't worry, they'll find a job. And then you never even look up to find if they found that job or anything. Yeah. That guy was a bum. We're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, harder than, I mean, it's, it's harder than it looked for him. I think, honestly, he thought that – because, you, know, I mean, you know, he 
he's a message board and an eFed guy. And I bet he thought it was just like running an eFed just with actual people. Um, but it's not <laughs> at all. He also leaned way too heavily and way too deeply into that WWE sucks bubble without realizing how small that bubble was. Like he just spent too much time on Twitter, too much time on the internet and really thought that there was this massive upswell of just distaste for WWE. And there definitely was, there were a lot of, believe me for a while, I was one of them for a while, you know, I'd say circa, 2014 to 2016, there was definitely a period of time where I was on the internet and I was part of those people. And I was sitting there watching like, why the hell did I come back in and watch this? But as I watched it a little bit more objectively and, you know, and really tried to distance myself from the internet, I realized one, WWE wasn't as bad as everybody thought it was. And two, this group of people that thought WWE sucked and, and we needed something better and we needed something more really was a vocal minority. And I don't think Tony Khan read the room on that at all. Oh, I no. really thought that he thought, I really think that he thought he was just going to bring in millions and millions of viewers every week to his product of people who were disgruntled ex WWE fans. Cause I think even Cody and Tony were talking in the early days of AEW that they were trying to bring back the lapsed fan. Right. And that, yeah, that was, well, I was going to say that that was the big myth that they peddled was right. that there's a, there's these millions of people who just are just waiting for that perfect wrestling product to mimic the <laughs> attitude era, I guess. And no, but they're not no, even doing that not. well. <clears throat> well, yeah, no, they're not. They're just like they're taking the worst parts of the attitude era and trying to replicate it. Like they're not even taking the good attitude era shit. Right. 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 And, um, because look, I, when when WCW went under, right, they were still getting two million people at the time. When they went under, those two million people did not all go start, you know, to watching WWE all the time. In fact, they didn't. I don't think they got any type of bump after WCW went under because those people, <laughs> those people were WCW fans, uh, most of them. And when there was no more WCW, they were just like, just like, okay, I'm done. And. There are people who, some of a lot of those disgruntled, you know, WWE fans who just stopped watching wrestling. They're done, right? They they found other stuff to do. Well, and so, the reality so, is, is if they ever like Rob, like myself, like Jason, if they ever come back to this stuff, they're not going to jump in and just watch AEW. They're going no. to go back to WWE because WWE is the comfort zone. And if they yep. dip their toes in the water and say, nah, this still sucks and get back out, they're not just going to, oh, let me go check out this AEW. Because in your head, you're, the, the psychology of it is all this shit is the same. Okay? It's all wrestling and it's all ridiculous. And it, it doesn't matter to them whether it's WWE because WWE is the benchmark. And if WWE still sucks, the rest of it is going to suck. I'm not going to watch it. You're not going to get back the mythical lapsed fan. Right. And, and now, now, look, some of those people are dead now, but I mean, it's been 20 years, right? right. Uh, and that's part of it. But um, and also, I mean, it's just like wrestling. There aren't that many lifer fans. Right. Some people watch it as kids. They get older and they're done. Some people watch it as teenagers. They get the young adulthood. They stop and then they're done. Um, 
and it's not because of how the show was booked or whatever, right? It's just some people just think I'm too old for this shit and they stop. Some people stop because like the people that they grew up with or came up you know, with as a fan are all retiring. And and they don't feel like getting trying to learn a bunch of new people. And so they move on. Um, that's why, look, when when Hogan left in 93, there was a dip. When Rock and Austin left in like, you know, 2002, 2003, there was a dip. When John Cena went part time in 2017, there was a dip. OK. When Roman Reigns is finally finished, whenever that is. There's going to be a dip when the horsewomen are finished. A lot of these people who are like, I love women's wrestling. When the horsewomen are all finished or when, or when their favorite horsewomen is finished, is finished, there's going to be a dip. Okay. That's okay, pal, because we'll still have Liv Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, um, but that's just how it goes. All right. And so these, no, basically what I'm saying, the lapsed fan is not real. Because uh, a lot of these lapsed fans are still keeping up with it, even if they're not watching every week anymore. But the lapsed fan who got all the way out because they were disgusted and can be lured back in, those people are few and far between. Well, and I, I use my well, dad. Here's the other thing with that. Rob, sorry, Rob. Here's no, no, the other thing ahead, with that. Ahead. You, unfortunately, I've been back since what, 2014, 15? Yeah. A lot of people, and I've been back. That's great. A lot of people have fallen off, too. It's a cycle. You don't talk about that, but, like, you know, there's no real, like, dips. But it's like a train station. You know, people are falling off as people are getting on. And it, it maintains itself, but... The business has always been cyclical. And I read somewhere right. years ago that it runs about in seven-year cycles. And that's about right. You know, when, when you think about how long the Hogan era lasted until Hogan fell off, we're looking, you know, about 85 to, Rob, like Rob said, 93. So that's about eight years it fell off. Then the Attitude Era came around about 99, 2000. It picked back up again, you know, and that lasted until, you know, however long that lasted. And it dipped back off again when The Rock and Austin were gone. And, you know, The Undertaker started to, to scale it back a bit. Then John Cena popped up and John Cena was hot for a while. Then John Cena left. Again, it's all cyclical. The business always has been. And again, some of the people that get off the train don't get back on. I use my dad as the template. My dad, I, I'm into this shit because of my dad. It's the first thing we ever watched that I re ever remember watching with him as a kid was professional wrestling. And when Austin left, my dad checked out. And we were up there visiting my dad probably about a year or so ago. And it was uh, Friday night. And I'm like, oh, SmackDown's on my stepmom without missing me. Absolutely fucking not. We're not watching that shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't end up watching wrestling and he's like no nah. he's like i really don't watch it anymore he's like, ever since everybody's gone it's it's all bullshit and i can't keep up with it anymore i'm like okay that's fine i respect it you know and and there may very well come a day when i check out for good i don't see that being anytime soon i still enjoy it i get a lot of enjoyment out of it now i have a hell of a blast talking with you know all my friends on a podcast about it and you know i've got my kid who enjoys it now and i like taking her to shows and, and, you know, watching the shows with her. So I, I may very well be on this train for quite a while longer at the rate things are going. And I'm okay with that. But, you know, this notion of we're going to bring back the Laps fans was absolutely bullshit. And something Moxley said that I just had to laugh out loud about. He's like, we want to 
give people a reason not to be embarrassed to watch pro wrestling again. Oh. Pals, have you not paid attention to how people who watch pro wrestling are treated and have always been treated? Guys, it is a nerdy thing to do. And this is something that pro wrestling fans need to accept about themselves. We are all, every single one of us, no matter whether you watch WWE, AEW, Impact, Ring of Honor, New Japan, we're all fucking nerds. Okay? We're all nerds. And it's okay. I'm not, I'm not insulting anybody because I'd be insulting myself if I was. But we are all nerds to the rest of the world who does not watch this. So while you're sitting here arguing that your favorite wrestling program is real wrestling and it's better than your sports entertainment shit, the rest of the world is laughing at you. Okay, and that's a reality that wrestling fans, when they think about engaging and when they think that they're throwing some cool, you know, some cool rebuttal out there on Twitter, like, hey, hey, my wrestling is better than yours because it's got real wrestlers on there. There are a billion people out there looking at you like you're an idiot, like you're a nerd. I mean, like like the the Star Wars nerds, of which me and Jason are, well, three of us are. They they look they look I mean, they look at wrestling fans like they're a bunch of weirdos. Okay. And they should. We are the pariahs of nerddom because we watch the quote unquote fake fighting. Right. And we watch as, fake as and we, the card we, carrying. Yeah. As a card carrying member of both fandoms, the guy, the Jason that has a Boba Fett cardboard cutout laughs at the, the Jason who watches the <laughs> underpants fighting every night. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, I mean, people who are, who, believe in baby yoda think that we're weird for you know watching you know exactly i mean so and don't fool yourselves folks yeah wrestling isn't cool john cena is cool apparently yeah (laughs) Yeah. the wrestling has never been cool like i enjoy the hell of it i think it's cool but the reality is wrestling has never been people will People will fo- point, point to certain things, and I'll go, no, 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 no. They do not like wrestling. They like Randy Orton out of nowhere memes. Right. Yes. That's it. And look, They like, you know, the Bella Twins fashion line and their e-show and this, that, and the other thing. And they never watch a lick of them in the ring. No. And oh, by the way, look, my, so, my, father, my father, who used to go see Bruno San Martino. My father was a military man. He was not a tip, you know, stereotypical nerd or whatever, right? When my father went to go to see wrestling matches, he went by himself. <laughs> okay? He did not have a pack of cool friends that went with him to see the wrestling matches. He went by himself. He didn't, he didn't take the crew with him? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> he went by himself. Okay, Rob, you had to come all the way up from Baltimore just so I would have somebody to go with. It. Me and my wife, anyway, would have someone to go with an MSG. We're, we're outsourcing to other states to find fellow fans, man. <laughs> Even then, you're walking in the door going, Man, I hope nobody notices me going in here. Yes. <laughs> Big WWE's out. There's Jason. Look, there's Jason going to see the wrestling show. There's uh-huh. Rob. Well, what, so I get I'm, wearing my, I'm wearing my tribal chief shirt, shirt proud, baby. <laughs> well, I get self-conscious now sometimes when I'm about to go somewhere because I look through my dresser drawer and it's almost like it's like 95% wrestling shirts now. And it's like, well, damn, I can't take my kid to the doctor's office wearing, you know, 
acknowledge me or whatever. I can't do that. This is why I'm real selective (laughs) about merch, mainly because I I don't want to have the conversation in public. I really I I really do not want to have the I do you know it's fake, right? Because I I just I don't have time for that and I'm very short tempered as it is, and I will just (laughs) completely cut into somebody. So if I buy merch, it's gotta look be something that looks incredibly badass. And can't have anybody's face on it. Like, I've seen some really cool shirts, like the New Day stuff and some of the Roman Reigns stuff, that I was like, that's really cool, but uh, I don't want somebody's face on it. Like, I've got the Triple H one, and all it is is like a skull with horns and some chains and some shit, and it just says the King of Kings. Very, very innocuous, very vague. Some ones that look like, uh, what what they're called, like album covers. It could look like a band like, I'll wear my band T-shirts everywhere. I've got probably as many band T-shirts, if not more, than I have wrestling shirts. But I'm real particular about the wrestling shirts and what I wear when I when I go out and about just because I, I don't need it. Yeah. And every now and then I'll see a kid wearing, like, an AEW shirt and I'll throw up the Too Sweet because I know he'll get it. Yeah. But I, I beyond that, I try not to engage in it because it's absolutely ridiculous the, the way people get with it. But the fact that wrestling fans treat each other – the way they do over the same bullshit, no matter what you're watching, is just weird to me. And like Jason said, guys, the Star Wars. No, I'll do you one even further. The furries. Somebody oh, posted no, that's, something, that's furry. somebody posted something from Twitter no, about. No, I draw the line. No, I draw no, the line. We, no, all, we no. all look down on the furries. No, Stop. No, no, sir. No, Conversation no, sir. over. Fur, furry oh, Twitters, somebody quoted one time that they discovered wrestling Twitter, and it was absolutely horrifying. <laughs> they were horrified by wrestling Twitter. Okay? Oh, no. Not the furries. Horrified as they may be, there are some things worse than wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> so so let, let's not let's not pretend that we stand on some, some pedestal no. because you watch one show versus another. Oh, we are like, all the pariahs of fandom and nerddom, pals. Yeah, I, I have something from the timeline that just popped up here. Oh boy! All right, uh, this is what well, is just some random person here. Yeah, I'm good on AEW tonight. It hasn't been five minutes, and somebody's bleeding. Was somebody taking arm drag, or did they trip getting in the <laughs> ring? Brody, uh, so Brody King and uh, Darby Allen are in a, co- a coffin match, I think, or they're just fighting, and there are coffins for later. Oh, uh, but anyway, Brody King, legit, like, he must have taken a razor across the whole forehead, man, because he had Crimson Mask. Oh, here's another one. Yeah, yeah, three minutes it's in. 8-11. It's 8-11 Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, here, three minutes in, blood, a new world record. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. Oh, but anyway, that's, that's, you know, it. that's becoming a thing now, like, how fast. <laughs> how, how fast in the show will somebody gig themselves? Remember back in the NXT days of Baron Corbin when he first came out and they used to do the countdown as to how long his matches would take? Do you guys remember? Were you watching NXT during that time? Oh, yeah, because he was doing he would always do the end of days really fast. The people he would do the end of days like that's the new AEW thing because they're doing the countdown to the blood. That's hilarious. All right, so oh. let's move on from that. This podcast needs to take a little bit of an L here, and I and I find this funny and humorous. What was it? Two weeks ago, we stated on here right after you know Vince retired and it was announced that Triple H was in head of creative and Stephanie was in control of the company. The the fan masturbation on Triple H rehiring 
all the um the recent the people who are not currently signed elsewhere all the releases they were already on the horn okay hire this one back hire that one back and we pretty definitively made the statement and kind of kind of kind of stuck our flag in the ground on this one that triple h was not going to hire back all your favorites well here we are two weeks later and dakota kai is back and dexter loomis is back and eo sky who according to one dave Meltzer, had a foot out the door and a ticket to japan um, is on SmackDown or Raw, I'm sorry, with Bailey and uh, Dakota Kai. Um, and, and there's rumor that we may be bringing Johnny Gargano back. I, there's something. Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross came back with Scarlet. So it, it does appear that there's at least a short list of names that uh, that Triple H definitely had, you know, had in mind to call back. And, and I said something in the Discord chat, and I think you guys may have misunderstood me. I think with this latest round of releases, I, because I think they've known this Vince thing was coming for, for longer than they let on. Like, obviously, the, the investigation has been going on for a couple of years, but the whole thing really started to heat up in the last three months right around WrestleMania season. But if you look at Vince's farewell tour from the Pat McAfee interview all the way to two and a half weeks ago when he officially announced his retirement, um, it really there really was like a WWE knew this was coming, yeah, and they've known this was coming for months. And I have a feeling with the latest round of releases, I have a feeling Hunter may have either directly called someone or some people or texted some people and say, look, hold the line for just a little longer. I may be able to get you back in here. And and you guys, I think you misunderstood because you're like, oh, well, some people are, you know, from a year ago. No, that was what I meant. I mean, with the latest round of people who were either released or asked out, I, I truly believe he told them to hold the line. Let me see what I've got. Because you look at these folks. Dexter Loomis was one that I was questioning. Karrion Cross kind of came out of nowhere. And, you know, Dakota Kai, while we argued on this show that the writing was kind of on the wall for Dakota Kai because we didn't really see a spot for her. Again, it was a little shocking because she was kind of in the middle of a few big things at the time. So here we are. We've got a few people coming back. And there's there's even rumbling some more people like I, we were talking today about Braun Strowman. Um, you know, there's an idea that he may want Braun Strowman back. Now people are kicking around Bray Wyatt, Bo Dallas. Um, well, Ch- uh, Champa wrote a love letter to Johnny Gargano on Monday. Yeah. And uh, what's his name? Grayson Waller indirectly uh, mentioned Johnny Gargano in a tweet earlier today. Um, so so, yeah, let's let's talk about the the returns. You know, we've talked at great length about releases. Let's let's talk a little bit about some of the folks that are coming back here. And um, Jason, let's get let's peel the bandaid off. Let's get right into carrying cross. Um, what are your thoughts? Because I know I know what you've talked about in the Discord. I love it, man. I'm sorry. I get people don't like him. I get that the B, the BDSM gimmick was friggin' weird. I don't know why they even tried that. You know, um, I get it was very weird at the end for him. But just take that guy and take the dude all the way to the point where he destroyed Keith Lee and held up the title while flamethrowers were going off over around him. Like, just get <clears throat> grab that guy. Yeah, I want him on my wrestling show. He's perfectly fine in the ring, and he's a Mortal Kombat character. And as you guys, long listeners of this show will know, the more Mortal Kombat it gets the better to me. Rob, what are your thoughts on the, uh, the carrying cross? Let's start, like I said, let's start with carrying cross and Scarlet. 
Okay. What are your thoughts there? Um, now, personally, I'm pretty indifferent about carrying cross. Um, he doesn't really do it for me, but I'm not mad if somebody signs him to their roster. You know, I get it. Now, I don't. Now, it seems like there have been people just clamoring for him. Uh, now that I don't, I don't understand being like really desperate to sign him. But I do understand signing him if he's available and you need a guy. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I don't think, you know, I don't think it's like an outrage that they brought him back. I was, now I was shocked because, um, well, because I just, you know, because I just didn't see like, you know, I because if I was like, well, what's the point? But if you look at like the, if you look at the bigger picture here, at least for the time being, right now, we don't know what happens down the road. But right now, he has a very specific purpose, okay? And that is, all right, well, Roman Reigns is not on TV every week, so Drew McIntyre needs somebody to fight, to get in fights with on television. That's one. And Roman Reigns not, does not do a lot of house shows. Drew McIntyre needs somebody to fight at house shows who is not Sheamus. House shows for like a year now. Okay, so... For the time being, he has a very specific purpose. He is there because Drew McIntyre needs somebody to fight when Roman ain't around. Okay. And so that is a very specific purpose. Now, of course, does Hunter want to give him another try because of how things went? Of course he does. So it's a twofold thing going on here. And as long as they don't do anything really crazy, like put the belt on him. I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, as long as you, I mean, um, again, now, and look, if it doesn't work out, then he'll be gone next year again. Like we're not going to sit through five years of them trying to push carrying cross as a main eventer. If he's stinking. Okay. If he's, if he's, if he's, if he's flat out sucking, then, you know, he'll do the thing with drew. He'll be in the Royal rumble and then he'll be on the clock. Okay. I mean, if he's just flat out sucking, right, they'll finish the year with him and Drew doing house shows or whatever. He'll be in the Royal Rumble. He'll get thrown out of it after a couple minutes, and then he'll be on the clock. And then at some point next year, he will get released, okay? If he just flat out stinks, that's what's going to happen, all right? Yeah. Um, now, if he doesn't stink, if he actually comes in and he does a good job, well then, then he'll be if if he go, if he does a good job, he's somebody who you know you can put in matches, you know, important matches if he if he if he does a good job and he gets over and all of that, right? Um, and if nothing else, he's a perfectly fine person to put in a ring with Drew McIntyre between now and December. Okay, um, it, it and as if once we get now again, once we get to January, we get past that, then that's when the real question comes in and what they're going to do with him. But for right now, that's what he is. So yeah, I wouldn't not worry. Not for nothing. <clears throat> not for nothing, Rome. If, if he gets in direct or even a triple threat kind of thing with Roman, triple threat feud, triple threat match, one on one, Roman will shine him up like a new penny. Because Roman's the kind of like he's the kind of opponent that Roman does really really well with. So right. I, I'm here for it. I <clears throat> bought, excuse me. I bought in initially to the carrying cross thing. He then we're talking prior to him going out with the injury after he beat Keith Lee. 
all of that up until that point was really freaking good. It was compelling. It had my attention. And I think that much of it, he very much had a hand in creatively. I read an interview with him around that time period, and he said it was very important to him because he had been working on the, the Killer Cross gimmick and all the nuances with that gimmick for a few years. And it was very important to him that when he came to WWE, that he was able to bring as much of that with him as possible. Obviously, he wasn't going to call himself Killer Cross under, at least at the time, Vince McMahon. And I noticed, you know, his Twitter handle and everything, it's still at Killer Cross. Uh, we'll see if they continue to call him Carrying Cross or not. But it was important for him to bring the, the, uh, the most crucial elements of that gimmick into the WWE as, as much as he was allowed to do. I think when he got to the main roster, again, if he fell victim to the trappings of, okay, Vince gets the final say on creative. And yes, if you're somebody who has the balls to go up to him and throw ideas at him or say, hey, look, let's try something different. And if he listens to you and he trusts you enough to go with it, I don't think he had that kind of uh, cachet with Vince McMahon. I think he was pretty much, okay, here, this is what I think we should do. This is what I think. Because again, Vince McMahon will see your gimmick through his eyes. And through Vince's eyes, Vince will be like, okay, what is a carrying cross? What does a carrying cross do? And then he just kind of, he'll steamroll from there. I think cross became victimized by that. Um, <clears throat> so what I'm hopeful for is that he'll have a little bit more hands-on creatively so that we can flesh out that character because it really became very confusing in the second half of his NXT run and his entire main roster run. And I'm not even talking about the simp. Uh, ring gear, you know, I'm talking about just the, the promos because he'd go from wearing the like faux demolition gear in the ring to looking like, you know, a, a blackjack dealer in a nice <coughs> suit and tie and everything like that outside the ring. And the promos he was cutting were pretty good. Like they were getting to be compelling, but then he got in the ring and it all fell apart. And it's like the ring product didn't match the promo product. And it was very confusing to me. So what I'm hoping is that he gets a better presentation in the ring and that the in-ring presentation better matches <clears throat> what we're being presented to in the backstage segments, in the promos and things like that. And if he tells a compelling enough story and, and that character is relatable enough, then we may be off to the races with Karrion Cross, and this may be a better second run than it was the first run for him. No, to be honest. Well, I think I'm, in the short – sorry, I'll go ahead. Well, honestly, I mean, I'm not expecting much. I don't think, and I don't think he's going to suck, but I think he's going to be okay. You know? No, I'm not expecting much either. Because <clears throat> I mean, at least in the short term, it's very clear that he's reverted to that NXT carrying cross character. Because he, Scarlett brought the hourglass over, put it in front of Roman, flipped it over. He he did the I'm tapping my watch thing, you know, TikTok, and that was his original NXT gimmick. So and that's pretty. If cool. he changes. Yeah, if he changes from there, great. But I don't know. You can ride that one for a while because I think that was the best version of him. It was. I popped for that, and I just and I probably in hindsight I should have bought it because I was on the WWE shop. He had some really cool merch with that TikTok stuff on he the did. shop. And hindsight, knowing he's been released and now he's back, I probably should have bought the damn T-shirt when I saw it, just because it'd be a, it'd be a cool piece of uh, merch to have. But I just. Again, I get in my head when it comes to merch, and I'm like, okay, I'm into what Cross is doing at the time, but also at that time, they were releasing a shit ton of people. Right. And I'm like, do I want to commit to somebody new 
and this guy not be here in six months to a year. I'm just I'm just weird like that when it comes to when it comes to things. So that's why I don't have as much wrestling merch as I probably would otherwise. So I, I didn't buy the shirt. I probably should have. Um, the next release for me, I release return for me that I popped for was Dexter Loomis. And, and I know, you know, we talked again in the Discord, Discord chat and Rob feels the way he feels about a lot of the returning talent. I liked Dexter Loomis. The guy's got a great look. He's got something about him that I, I think Triple H could do something with on the main roster. Um, and again, he's another guy that when he left, he didn't sign anywhere. He did a local show here for Atomic Revolutionary Wrestling. Um, he's done some, I think he was on NWA TV for at least <clears throat> one or two shows. Um, did he do ML? Did he do an MLW show? Um, I don't think so. I'm not as hundred. Yeah. He's under his name, Sam Shaw. Yeah, um, no, I know he, he did the he, NWA show. He yeah, did a he local did. show here. And I think uh, he may have. He, I think he did a couple of local spots up here too. Um, okay. But, but he uh, never, he's a yeah. guy that I'd have thought Tony Khan would have snatched up the minute he was available. Like, if nothing else for his look, because the dude looks like a million bucks. Yeah, I, I mean, and when you got 128 people, what's 129? Obviously, he don't give a shit. <clears throat> right. Now, I guess for me, now, I guess, you know, well, I made, I made peace with all those people who got released. And that's why I guess I'm not that enthusiastic because I made peace with it and I accepted it for what it was. You know, some of those folks, you know, have gone elsewhere and I just, you know, I accepted it and you know what, they got released and they're gone and maybe they'll come back one day. Maybe they won't, but right now they're gone. And because I mean, just that's, you know, as a football fan, it happens. You have, guys who help you win the Super Bowl and then a year or two later they get released and it happens and you just gotta move as a fan you gotta move on. And you, oh, you're talking you're talking to a New England Patriots fan. We I mean, we know. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, when I've told a story before about the then Washington Redskins, they won their first Super Bowl and then within a couple of years, the two or three main guys from that team were gone. And imagine and, how pissed we were in Florida years and years and years, decades ago to finally get a World Series winning baseball team and then the next year they dismantled the entire team oh yeah like we're absolutely livid we're like hey we won the world series what the fuck are you doing right overnight so for me it's just you know the releases happened there were a few that i was very upset about but then it's like okay well they're gone and i just hope that they all get everybody who still wants to work gets a job somewhere and some of those people did get jobs somewhere else so I'm just like, okay, well, hey, you got another job. So ha- go, have at it, have fun, you know? Because, well, like Bronson Reed, Bronson Reed, you know, he did some stuff at Impact for a while, and he's doing some stuff in New Japan. He seems to be having a really good time. Um, So as far as I'm concerned, if you're having a good time there, carry on. I don't need you to come back. If you don't really want to, if, if you're fine where you are, I'm not going to be, you know, Hunter, bring Bronson Reed back. I mean, if he's good where he is, then okay. You know, he got released, he moved on, he's okay. You know, um, that's kind of how I look at these things. And I guess so, no, I, that's why I'm not like doing cartwheels at the idea of these people coming back because I just, I made peace with them being gone. Well, um, and, that, and we may be yeah. a little bit gun shy because just because they're back doesn't mean they're staying. Right. You know, like I also... you said with Carrie Cross, 
we could very well he could very well be gone in a year. And, and not that we're hoping for that for the guy, but it could very well this whole thing could bomb. And after, like you said, after Royal Rumble, he could be on the clock. Yeah, we don't and, know, and, and it's hard to get emotionally connected to these people under that 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 particular cloud. Yeah, I'm kind of with Rob because I, you know, because probably because of the football thing and coming to the, some of the Celtics things, uh, I've been able to make peace with stuff like that pretty quickly because um, I've been through it before to people I care about way more. Um, you know, you should have seen me the day Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett got traded. I was a I was a absolute disaster. So but but I made peace with a lot of them. But I got to admit, I, I popped for Dakota. Like that that one that one I was just like, oh man, this is awesome. Everyone else I was just like, oh cool, they're back. That's nice. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about uh, at least Dakota Kai, um, Dexter Loomis for sure. Because I was a big Dexter Loomis fan, and that guy got <laughs> dropped in the middle or like right at the end of a big angle. Yeah. With uh, with Indy Hartwell, and yeah, it was yeah. like they had finally put the the seal of approval. They had that amazing wedding ceremony. And then she was doing the the thing where it was the index and then uh, Persia Parada and I's name just fell right out of my head. Uh, uh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, that. I just fell right out of my head. I'm looking right at him. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I can see him. He's wearing because the, they did the big thing where they dressed him up as cowboys. Yes. And, and yeah, I feel like an idiot now because I just forgot that. I keep thinking Grayson Waller, but it wasn't Grayson Waller. No. Um, but anyway, they had that no big comment. angle going on with them and then next thing you know Dexter's gone and Purse is gone and I'm like well what the hell I was into this I was digging this you know I wanted to see where this was going and then the two of them were gone <clears throat> so moving forward from that how, you know Triple H keeps you know and then people keep cryptically saying oh we're not done yet we're not done yet how many more people do you potentially bring back and do you run into that problem that we just criticized Tony Khan for, you know, a half an hour ago, where you've got too many people. And again, who do you sit down for Johnny Gargano, for Eric Redbeard, for Braun Strowman, um, Bray Wyatt? I mean, there, there's a whole lot of people getting work right now because those people aren't there. I'll be the fly in the ointment. Hunter had a list of people he was going to call. As soon as he was in charge, Hunter had a list of people he was going to call. Oh, no doubt. He, oh, yeah, yeah. He probably has another list, too. This is fact. This is fact. There's probably a few people that are on the bubble right now. Yep. Um, yes, and that, that's that's real. And, I mean, we'll, and we'll that's how, unfortunately, that's how you make room for those people. He probably already has a list of, like, yep, don't need them, don't need them, don't need them. I'm sorry that I don't... Yeah, it is what uh, it is. And that's, you know, and we'll see once that happens. Because, you know, I Will Mahoney said that a couple of weeks ago that, you know, eventually Hunter is going to release some people. And then right. we'll, we'll see the reaction. Boy, that is going to be a fun day on the bird app. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I, and then, look, I mean, I, I, look, I remember tuning into WCW Worldwide one Saturday and they, and there was a pay-per-view coming up and they said, well, well Ric Flair has been fired. You know, because he had a contract dispute and he, you know, left. Right. right? And, but they just came out and said, well, Ric Flair's not here anymore. So, I mean, I remember that. <laughs> I remember Dusty Rhodes, who was one of my, one of, Dusty Rhodes, one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. I remember one week he was in the NWA. The next week he was gone. And he was gone because they fired him. 
All right. Um, and he was, he was just gone. Yeah. And well, that was me when Luger came over to WWE. I was kind of in a, in a transition period where I was kind of in and out of wrestling. And, you know, Luger was an NWA WCW guy. Next thing you know, he's on WWE TV. I'm like, what the hell's going on in the world? Like, that was my, <clears throat> that fan moment when I saw Lex Luger in a WWE. Like, it was news enough when Flair was there, but never in a million. And I don't know why in my head at the time, Luger was more important than Flair. Maybe because I saw Luger, like a lot of people did, as the heir apparent yeah. to Flair. And all of a sudden, the heir apparent is on the competing brand. Right. You know, so that, like I said, with Flair, I was like, okay, this is cool. This is odd. Let's run with this. Lex Luger was was more odd to me because he was the heir apparent. Yeah. And so for me, I mean, you know, to see Dusty just gone like that and to see Rick just gone like that, I mean, and look, I'm sorry, and this is going to hurt some people's feelings, but all them folks who got released, well, none of them Dusty Rhodes or Ric Flair. No. Okay. No. Um, so I saw both of them get just one day they're on TV, next day they're gone. The next week they were gone. Um, so I. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I'm not gonna get. You know, I will. Yeah, I was upset when they released Bronson Reed, but you know, not the same thing. And um. So I guess to me, it's just like, okay, well, these are people that, you know, well, all right, he's going to bring some people back. Um, there are some people that I kind of don't see the point. Um, but yeah, but like you were saying, it's, it's, you can't bring everybody back. Now I think he may very well try. Um, but you can't bring all of these people back and because you got to sit some people down. I honestly could see that where you would do where he does. And we're just talking about we're fast forward to this show in the spring, talking about how many people are on the bench or something like that, or in two years. You know, I could see that happening. Let's let's branch off a little bit. Let's branch off from that as far as putting people on the bench. There has been a a long, long discussion on internet wrestling Twitter and Facebook about pro wrestling and more specifically WWE needing a quote unquote off season. You get a lot of people injured. You get a lot of people just get burnt out from the road. What are your thoughts on the idea of hiring so many people that you can rotate people not only on TV, but through the road loop and maybe give people's bodies a break throughout the year? And I, and I know I'm kind of kind of maybe. I think. Well, what are your no, thoughts we, on that idea? We've talked about that on this show where where. I think that was one of our solutions to the whole um, to the bloated roster thing. If you don't want to fire everybody, well, you got to give people off seasons where there's just like, you know, 10, 12, whatever many people where you're just like, you're on vacation for the next three months. Right. You know, go enjoy yourself, go get your body right, go get whatever. And you tell the writing crew, you can't use them. Right. No, they're off there. They might as well be injured. So bye bye. Like, yeah, it's got, that would be enormously helpful for everyone, I think. Bob, what are your thoughts on that idea? Well, I, mean, I think in theory, it makes sense. Uh, and I think rotating people on the road, you should absolutely do that. Um, now, as far as on television, but remember, this is a business where the people in the higher positions are notoriously paranoid about losing their spot if they're gone for even two well, weeks. Right, and that is... Well, that I, is. I would say you'll probably... 
there will probably be exceptions made for the top end of the roster. Those people are going to be around all, all year long, and they're probably going to get, you know, just some sort of different break schedule. I don't know. Or, I, but, um, like, I think it, work, it works better in theory. It, it makes sense on paper. Yeah. But it, in practice, it's a little more difficult because, look, we, we know people who, when during 2020, when Roman was at home, they were like, I'm done till he comes back. Yeah. Yep. Um, and when he came back, people came back with him, right? Um, there are, and now he's the extreme. They're going to be like, well, right now on SmackDown, I've talked before about there being like a cumulative effect, right? Because, you know, he's 50 50, Ronda's 50 50, Charlotte, Naomi, and Sasha are just gone, have been just gone. And there's a cumulative effect on the show, right? Um, so, I mean, how, who you can, how many people you can rotate off at one time is uh, matters. Um, you got to get, basically, you got to get some assurances from the TV networks that, okay, look, this is what we're going to do. When these people aren't there, the audience numbers might be lower. So, you know, you, you got to work with us and you got to understand that. Because, so you have to work that out with the TV networks because, you know, like this thing with Roman, you know, not being there every week now, I'm sure they had to work something out with Fox. And then also, you know, when it's WrestleMania season from Rumble through WrestleMania, he's going to be there every week. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they paid high dollar to get Roman Reigns on their show. Right. I mean, he, he can do 50-50 now because it's the summertime, <clears> right? But when it's, you know, when from January through WrestleMania or maybe through Backlash, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be there every week. So, and... It's, it's, I think it's just, it's more, it's sounds good in theory. It's, and, but it's not as easy to do in practice because there are people who your audience wants to see more than others. And you can't have so many of them going at the same time. Right. Um, and, and then also, and look, when it's WrestleMania season, they all want to be there because that's the money time. Okay. Yes. Um, right. Um, so it's again, it's it's. I mean, because right, what we're what we're seeing right now is about as close as you're going to get to having some type of rotation because just because people you know aren't there, and because it's during a time of the year where you know it's not so bad to miss, right? Because look, yeah. I mean, well, because like I mean, well, you know, we don't know how bad Randy Orton's injury is, but he very well might have just said, "Well, shoot, it's summertime. Fuck it." Yeah. You know, That's I, crazy I, because I, I really thought Randy Orton's injury was a work. Uh, yeah, but uh, so I think, look, he might just look at summertime. You know, they're going to be all right. And I'm just going to take out, you know, you know, longer with this one. Um, if this same injury happened in January and he, you know, he was looking for that mania payday, he might have said, shoot me up with whatever you got to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, um, and. So I think what we're getting right now this year is as close as you're going to get to a rotation where just all of these people and the circumstances are different, obviously. Like, look, Sasha and Naomi got, quote-unquote, suspended, right? Um, right. And Co- Rand- Cody, Cody getting injured really derailed a lot of things. Right. Cody got injured. Randy got injured. You know, and, you know, Charlotte took off to get married. And it's no coincidence that the time of year that she took off to get married. Yeah. Your, like, your time is yeah. right. 
They, look, they weren't going to get married in March, okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> that, that wasn't going to happen, right? Um, so this is the closest you're going to get to a rotation. Um, people who, you know, some people got injured. And, and look, even with Sasha and Naomi, look, I mean, they, I mean, you look at the calendar and they're like, you look, at, well, look, if it's time to, you know, to draw the line here and if some shit happens, well, this is the time to do it, right? Yeah. Look, we get suspended yeah. in May. It's no big deal. You get suspended in February. It is, right? You're leaving a lot of money on the table that month. Right. Um, so, but this is what, you know, this is closer you're going to get. And, yeah. but, and, but the thing is, like, we miss all these people really bad, right? I mean, we want these people back. Yeah. So the idea, mm-hmm. of, the idea of a rotation sounds really good. Um, and it has, Look, the circumstances have been really good for a few people. Um, you know, that have gotten the opportunity to, you know, move up a bit that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten. Um, but you know, in practice, um, I just I just don't think it's gonna happen because there are certain people that the audience prefers to see. There are certain people that the audience with. Um, even if they're not your favorite wrestler, like there's people that you're just familiar with, and then you know, um, and it's just it's it's easier to it's easier you can draw it out on paper, but it's not in practice, not so much because well, I mean, look at in AEW, look at Chris Jericho for example. All right, um, should Chris Jericho take some time off? Probably. Yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> But, yes. but, however, but, again, good idea in theory, but Chris Jericho not being on that show for six months, probably Ooh. not a good idea in practice. As much as, whatever we think about Chris Jericho, okay, him not being there for six months, probably not a good idea. Not for them. No, yeah, I mean, that all makes sense. Probably not a good idea, okay? Yeah. Um, it, it just, it, you know, and so... Again, better and you know easier in theory than in practice. Um, you can now. I think again, you can you can rotate people at house shows more than they do, and because like poor Jimmy and Jay have worked like every weekend this year. <laughs> okay, I mean I don't think they've missed a weekend this year. Okay, um, so you can do that, and you can you can get better about scheduling some of these house shows like. There was no reason to have a house show the day before a Sunday pay-per-view. Good grief. Right? I mean, and and they're not doing now, they've kind of they've scaled that back this year. But in the past, if pay-per-view was on Sunday, they'd have house show on on Saturday. Or if the pay-per-view was on Saturday, they'd have one on Sunday. And that made like no sense at all. Well, now don't they have a Sunday show that they're named? There's a Sunday show that they do, and I forget the name of it. It's a house show, but they've given a name to oh, it. Oh, they've, well, they've given the, the Saturday house shows are called Saturday Night's Main Event, and the Sunday house shows are called Sunday Stunner. Sunday it's, Stunner, that's what yeah. it is, Sunday Stunner. Yeah, okay. but you don't need to have either one of those on no pay-per-view weekend. No. It, it makes zero sense, and they used to do that all the time, and it made absolutely no sense to have, you know, your you know Roman Reigns out there in front of 3,000 people in Poughkeepsie on Saturday night, right? I mean, right. that made no, no reason. But they did stuff like that before. Yeah. yeah, and so you can do things like that. Um, 
they've gotten better about like certain weekends, just not running any house shows. Um, so I think they didn't run any like July 4th weekend this year. I think they didn't run any. And there was a time where they, they would have absolutely run that whole weekend. Um, so you can, you can do things like that, but again, easier, easier on paper than in practice. Okay. That's fair enough. All right, guys. So what do you say we call the go home spot? Oh, well, I do have a little, a uh, little update here. Oh, okay. Hit me with the update. Mm-hmm. Then, we'll, then, we'll go, then we'll go home with it. Okay. Well, just cause, uh, you know, just, um, since Hunter has taken over, well, you know, they got, they got the big rating spike last week. Um, just past Monday, they, settled back down a bit which is to be expected yeah what have uh, they settled it this week because i didn't get the ratings number it is let me see i got okay they went down to all right well all right, so last week it was the first hour was 2.4 the second one was 2.3 and the last one was 1.9 uh this week it was 1.9 2.0 and 1.8 okay all right uh, which i mean which is just to be expected okay they yeah. were right, they got a spike they always get a spike after the pay-per-view, especially a big one. Yeah, and well, it, yes. So, you know, well, all, all the black and gold, all the black and gold fans who now watch on Wednesday nights, and God bless you, because that's where you should be, um, probably peeked in to be like, yeah, all right, the the old boss of our other favorite promotion is yeah. running the show. Let's see, let's see what happens. Yeah, and um, so the cross thing from last week, from last Friday, is at one point nine million views. Now it now it it shot up to one point seven like over the weekend, and then it kind of hit the wall, but it's at one point nine right now. Uh, the Loomis thing is from Monday is already at already at one point six. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. And again, they're at the point now where they're about to they're going to that's going to be hitting the wall probably tomorrow, and but and it'll probably finish. It's going to probably finish up. You know. One point eight. Um, maybe like, or probably 1.8 or 2 million by the time the seven days are up, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. There's usually a 48 hour window where things really are really hot on YouTube. And yeah. then after that, it drops off exponentially, even, you know, regardless of what it is. Yeah. So now like now the measures I've seen, usually the 40, 48 hours is usually when the big rush ends, like you said. And then since raw and SmackDown are weekly shows, you can kind of track it out to seven days and see where it ends up by then, you know, then then you move on to the next one. So it'll probably be, it'll probably settle in around 2 million by the time the next Monday rolls around, um, which is really good because like I said, last month, the last couple of weeks of July, everything just went off the cliff and like, nope, nobody was getting any much anything. So they've definitely bounced back on that front since SummerSlam. Good. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, from there, I think we can call the go-home spot. I want to go around the room here, as I always do, and thank my esteemed co-hosts, Bucky's tag team partner, Jason. Sir, thank you again for another fun show. Thank you, my friends. It's always a pleasure with you guys. And from Rob, the genius podcast, the minister of truth, Mr. Rob, thanks again, sir. Uh, And uh, thank you. And it was good to talk about Transformers, the movie, which came out in 1986. Which was the same year that the thirteen-time women's champion was born. <laughs> Damn it, he snuck it in on me. I was sitting here right. five minutes ago. I'm like, we're gonna make Do it the- out of here without a reference to the queen. We're gonna make it out of here. All right. Say the tagline. And we're gonna go home. And I'm gonna. Nah, son of a gun, he got me. Ah. 
Ah, uh, maybe next time. Say, maybe next time. Say the tagline and let's get out of here. Right. <laughs> I'm your host, DJ. Remember, you can call it pro wrestling. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring. And we're out of here till next week. <laughs>